Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Vegas Golden Knights are the holders of Lord Stanley's Cup for the first time. What led to the dominating performance that saw nine goals sink the Panthers? Also, what on earth is happening with the Oakland A's? And where is Stefan Diggs? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. First time in franchise history, the Vegas Golden Knights hoist Lord Stanley's Cup, a 9-3 Game 5 absolute beatdown and the party was getting started in Las Vegas. I don't know, a lot of people in Las Vegas won't even notice because that's just how Vegas is from right outside the stadium. Chris Golick uh, from Locked on Vegas Golden Knights joins me now. And and Chris... Stanley Cup Locked on Vegas Golden Knights. Come on, let's go. You're right, you're right. Sorry, Let, let's uh, <laughs> let's give the proper respect. All, all love, all love, all love. <laughs> well, that, that cup is going to be full of all manner of alcohol over, over the next few days. That is going to be sure. Uh, this was a Florida Panthers team that came in on a charmed run. So what, what did Vegas find that made this such a convincing final here? Uh, let's start with the physical play uh, Florida. They were the big, bad bully, the entire playoffs, just hitting everything that moves and doing the same against Vegas for a while. I think uh, maybe we owe a little debt of gratitude to Boston, Toronto, and Carolina for wearing them down a little bit. And the Vegas Golden Knights, me and Tony hit this on our pod not too long ago. They were not known as a physical team, but they, with all due respect, put the beat down on the Florida Panthers physically. And the lineup they put out there tonight, they had about eight quality forwards. They had rookies out there. And you just kind of saw the writing on the wall after the first few minutes of the game. How does this change the perception of the Golden Knights as an NHL franchise, as a vi- as the viability for this team in Vegas? I mean, you know, the perception of Vegas is strange. That's uh, There's a lot of hate for the city as far as from the hockey side goes. It's fair to a degree. I know there's been a lot of concerns about how the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, Nate Schmidt, how players have been traded, Robin Leonard. I get all that. There's a fair amount of jealousy because of what happened right out of the gate in season one. It's, it's all fair and viable, but in the same breath, part of it's not entirely deserved because even without the Stanley Cup, this is a valid franchise. And I think that's the most important thing that me as a local day one season ticket holder, now credentialized media member, also covering the team, you know, this team has earned their respect and the Stanley cup is a nice reminder of it for those that didn't want to give the respect. Now you got to like it or not. And I don't mean that to sound inappropriate, but um, this is our moment right now. How, how does this team then set up? You know, we always, we always want to talk about ever after any team wins a final, there's always this like, well, this could be the next dynasty. How is this team set up to defend their title? Um, So let's look at the contracts. Make sure my kid's still back here. Somewhere there he is. <laughs> um, keep an eye on your kids, folks. It's crazy out here right now. So how is this team set up for the future? I mean, listen, a Stanley cup run takes a toll. Everyone knows this. The likelihood of a repeat is highly unlikely. Let's acknowledge that. Now, that said, Petrangelo, Jack Eichel, Martinez, Carlson, Riley Smith, Marchessault, Logan Thompson, 
I'm sure I left a couple out in a moment, but the core of this franchise, the core plus of this franchise is going to be intact, not just for next year, but a few years beyond. So, I mean, we, we were close, you know, season one, almost, you know, won the cup seasons three and four conference final season five injuries that happens. So this team has been set up for success. It's been building up for this moment, but they're going to make some noise for the next couple of years as well. Stay up to date all year on the Vegas Golden Knights by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Golden Knights on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, are the Oakland A's really moving? Before we answer that, the Bengals' Jonah Williams has rescinded his trade request. Make your way to FanDuel right now for an amazing introductory offer. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's up to $2,500 American dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the Stanley Cup Finals, which I hope you got your money in, to Major League Baseball, the WNBA, and so much more. With a great pitching matchup on tap for Nationals Astros, the total looks a little lean. Fandle has the over-under in that game at 7.5. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 when you join Fandle today. Just go to Fandle.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Earlier in the offseason, Cincinnati Bengals offensive tackle Jonah Williams requested a trade. When the Bengals signed Orlando Brown to be Joe Burrow's weak side protector, Williams took that personally. Insert Michael Jordan meme here. He spoke to the media for the first time on how he felt about that move. You know, I felt that I've started 47 games, 38, 37 straight, um, and... I felt that if it were communicated, hey, you know, we, we have the opportunity to sign this guy and we like him, you know, we want you to bump over and play right tackle, I would have, you know, I would, it, it sucks. Like, it's, it would be hard to hear, but I think in a couple of days I would have been like, okay, let's go, let's do it. And I just never, never got that, you know. So it was never left tackle, right tackle. I know a lot of people made it out to be that. It wasn't that, you know. It's There's 64 tackle spots in the league. To have any of them is a, is a crazy, amazing opportunity that I'm super grateful you know, for the chance. Um, so, you know, plan is to blame me at right tackle. I'm, I'm fired up to do it. Let's go. I guess you can call Najee Harris an occupational optimist. The Steelers running back said Tuesday he doesn't buy into the narrative that his position has a short shelf life. You know, if you look at some of the offenses, you know, the running back is featured a lot, you know. Um, so just kind of what's with what the guys were saying, you know, just show a little bit more appreciation, and, you know, because obviously it's a rough position. You know, what, we're, what we go through is probably one of the roughest positions. Um, so, you know, I'm just advocating and I'm, you know, joining that team of, you know, I agree with pretty much what those guys are saying. Um, you know, I'm just, anyway, you know, because I'm a running back myself and I'm pretty sure any running backs who will come, want to come in the league um, or just even people going around and telling them, you know, if you want to get paid, you know, don't be a running back. You know what I mean? So it was just, the position is, is an art to me. I, I, I'll always love the position. You know, you could do so much. It's almost as if, like, you're a queen in chess, you know, because you could do a lot of things, line up out, out wide, run the ball, protection, you know, to be in and implement an offense so much. It's like, you know, for them to say it's a, a position, you know, it's not as valued. It's, it's kind of crazy. I think Dalvin Cook probably has takes on that.
On the diamond, the Colorado Rockies have won back-to-back games at Fenway Park, thanks in large part to their closer, who once failed as a Red Sox pitcher. Well, it took until extras again, but the Colorado Rockies hold on and defeat the Boston Red Sox 7-6 in another thrilling game and two big games for Daniel Bard. He comes into the game in key situations and steps up against his former team, uh, the team where everything kind of fell apart for him, where Daniel Bard had to step away from the game. Instead, he comes and helps the Rockies get two big road wins. The road back to 500 is still a long one, but to go to a place like Fenway Park and take two games, two games where you had uh, kind of have to fight tooth and nail, you had to were up and down as well. Rockies come out on top and uh, get back-to-back wins against a, a Red Sox team that was certainly trying to crawl out of the basement of the AL East. We'll see how the finale goes tomorrow, but big-time game for Daniel Bard. And again, late offense. Huge for the Rockies. Another big, strong performance in the 10th inning. The Rockies finally getting their first chance at extra innings and doing well. We'll be breaking it all down right here on Locked on Rockies. And after Tuesday night, is Major League Baseball really sure they are better without baseball in Oakland? I don't know how you watch the game that occurred tonight in Oakland and decide that this city does not deserve a baseball team. How's it going, everybody? This is Jason Burke of Locked On A's, and this game was just amazing. The A's won 2-1. to one. They've won seven in a row. The last two coming against the best team in baseball. The A's are no longer the worst team in baseball this season, let alone of all time. Uh, crazy what seven straight wins can do for you, but this atmosphere was electric all night long. It started in the parking lot three hours before the game started. Uh, this game was amazing. This is a top five baseball moment in Coliseum history, at least of games that I've been to. It was a lot of fun. Fans were very loud. The, the key moment for me, the big takeaway, was at the beginning of the fifth inning, uh, fans staged a silent protest for the first batter of the top of the uh, fifth inning, and uh, it was pretty quiet. There were some there were some people talking, mostly quiet, and then after uh, a leadoff double given up, uh, it, everything went haywire, and just sell the team chance echoed that pitcher Hogan Harris thought that his pitch comm was broken because it got too loud at the Coliseum. It, it was a scene. Check it out on Instagram or check it out on social media, wherever you like to find social media clips because that, that's the one that sticks with me right now. That, that made tonight a top five night in Oakland A's history. Hopefully there's more of these games to come. But uh, for now, that's all that I got for you guys. Uh, tune into Locked on A's. I'll have a full breakdown of the action and just uh, everything that I heard and everything that you know, I saw today at the Coliseum on Locked on A's. Here is another story you need to know. Sometimes the sports gods just have a wonderful sense of humor. On the same day, the Nevada legislature paves the way for $380 million in a bill to help fund a new stadium in Las Vegas for the still Oakland Athletics. The fans put together a reverse boycott, I guess we're calling it. Um, Over 27,000 showed up in Oakland to see the Athletics play. That's more than six times the the normal attendance and maybe 20 times uh, what it's been uh, some other games that we won't even mention. Right. Uh, our guy Sully from Locked On MLB joins me now. And and Sully, uh, what, what a weird day to be an Oakland Athletics fan. What a weird day to be a baseball fan. Um, and, and seeing all the people who sell on their jerseys and doing these loud chants to tell them to sell the team. Uh, Peter, I'll tell you, I, I've lived a lot, many years in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
I've been to many, many games, both regular season and postseason at the Oakland Coliseum. I've said it. A's fans are not the most in number, but every baseball fan should go to a game at the Oakland Coliseum because that's baseball boiled down in a Bunsen burner. There's no frills there. You're not there to be seen. And every A's fan who's there loves the A's. It's like their diehard fans are the only ones who show up. And it's a, I find going to Oakland to be a really fun experience. I know you're supposed to say Wrigley Fenway, Camden Yards, but I, I love going to games in Oakland. I'm going to – they're gone. We all know they're gone. We can yeah. wear all the shirts you want and reverse boycotts. The, the, the bills are being passed in Nevada, and things get built so fast in Nevada that I think three casinos have been built, torn down, <laughs> and built back up again since we've started this segment. So they could build a ballpark pretty quickly. But I'm really, as someone who spends a lot of time in the Bay Area, I'm really going to miss the A's. And I'm going to be going to the final A's game this year on September 24th. Uh, this raises uh, an important question for me that I think a lot of people are wondering, depending on your sports fandoms, like Nick fans have the mm-hmm. same issue uh, with with your, with uh, the, the Dolan management and MSG and all the, the issues there. This is something that we see a lot. Fans that hate the owner of their team and want yep. them to sell. Well, owners can sell, can say, okay, buy. We have other cities that are willing to take these great products, these great gems and say, yeah, we'll, we'll get hundreds of millions in funding from the state. We'll build a stadium and sorry, sucks to suck. So what are yep. fans supposed to do here, Sully? Um, I guess doing what they're doing. I mean, it's a, it's a, there are bad owners and then there's, the folks who run the A's. I mean, they've let this team die on the vine. They all, they have, they've turned a profit over the last bunch of years. They've let the stadium fall apart. They, their payroll has gone down over the years, if that's possible. And they will not invest in the team. And they put a giant middle finger up to the fans the whole time. Um, And it's a shame. And there's so much money in the Bay area. It's flowing with money. And there were new A stadium plans every hour on the hour for the last <laughs> 20 true. years. Fremont, San Jose. They should have moved to San Jose, but the Giants stupidly, because of whatever deals they made when the Giants were trying to move, they somehow got the San Jose rights. That's where the A's should be playing. I digress. Um, there's nothing really. They're powerless. They were powerless in Brooklyn. They're powerless in Montreal. They're powerless in Oakland. And those are going to be the three markets who will have lost teams and never had a replacement. Milwaukee eventually got another team. Seattle got another team. New York got another National League team. But Montreal, Oakland, and Brooklyn are going to be the three fan bases who have, they pulled a temple of doom and ripped their heart out. And look it. Some will be giant fans. Some will take the quick puddle jumper flight from Oakland to Las Vegas. But for a lot of them, this meant so much to have a team be a champion in the East Bay and to just take that away just so lifelessly is, is a shame, but there's nothing we can do about it. The real green and gold is the money that these people can make. Quickly, uh, baseball in Las Vegas, a home horrible. team in Las Vegas. Horrible idea. Horrible. Could not, they're a Venn diagram of horrible markets to put a team. And in the middle of it would be Las Vegas. If they said Nashville, if they said Portland, Charlotte, any one of those would make sense. Vegas makes no sense. And we're going to have the exact same problems in a couple of years. 
Stay up to date on all the A's drama and all the goings on in Major League Baseball by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On MLB on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, where's Stephon Diggs? Stephon Diggs was not at the first mandatory part of Buffalo Bills minicamp. Locked On Bills host Joe Marino discusses why. So what's the reality here? I think it's just pieces of everything we discussed. Late season usage, disappointing end of the season. We saw that. He was very frustrated on the sideline, left the facility, kind of had some negative comments on some of the national media appearances he did after the game. He's got a new position coach. We heard about communication. You know, his opportunity decreased late in the season. He was very modest in terms of production against Cincinnati. In the elimination game, I'm sure he's frustrated about that. Hey, we lost 27 to 10. And what does Steph Diggs have? Like less than 50 yards, I'm sure of it. I can't even remember how much it was. It was very, very minimal. And we know that Steph Diggs puts a lot into things. We heard Josh Allen and Von Miller talk about him being an all-in type of guy. He's frustrated. I would have handled it differently if I were Stephon Diggs. You know, I would have had communication sooner. It wouldn't be mandatory minicamp before this really all came to a head. I would want to be part of the solution. I'd want to have an active role in that, but I mean, Steph handled it differently than I would have. I'm not saying he's not warranted in his frustrations, but it's, it's all very confusing. And it feels like conversations and conversations that lead to conclusions and actionable items and things that can happen out of it needed to happen sooner than now. Those few precious seconds against the Kansas City Chiefs may have actually changed the trajectory of the Buffalo Bills. If they win that game, if the defense doesn't totally collapse, then they may well have gone on to be Super Bowl champions. And maybe everything is different in Buffalo now as a result. Maybe they never sign Von Miller to go chase a title. But that's not what happened. And now, all of a sudden, this team, you couldn't blame them if players are starting to get frustrated. If there is doubt doubt starting to creep in, some of their key players are getting expensive, getting older. And at a certain point, your window just closes down. The Bengals are ascending. The Chiefs are not going anywhere anytime soon. You've got superstar quarterbacks in the AFC like Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. All of a sudden, we could be looking up at the Buffalo Bills and going, what happened? Remember that? Well, remember those few seconds at the end of one of the greatest endings in playoff history. It just might have started a new chapter in history for the Buffalo Bills. And finally, Masters champion John Rahm said some of PGA Tour players feel a bit of betrayal from management. File that in the no-duh category. In the wake of the announcement of the alliance with the Tour, the DP World Tour, and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. I think it gets to a point where you want to have faith in management. And I want to have faith that 
this is the best thing for all of us, but uh, it's clear that that's not the, the consensus, right? I think the, the general feeling is that a lot of people feel a bit of betrayal from, from management. Uh, I understand why they had to keep it so secret. I understand we couldn't make it through a pack meeting with more than 10 minutes after people spilling the beans right away and some article about you guys already being out there. So I get it. I get the secrecy. Uh, it's just, it's not easy as a player that's been involved like many others to wake up one day and see this bombshell, right? I mean, it would be weird if golfers weren't feeling betrayed by this move, right? Expect the paydays to be swift and large to players like John Rahm. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, now that baseball is taking center stage, where do the defending World Series champion Astros stand? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.